Welcome to The Coaching Question. This is the podcast for people who want to know more about coaching, how and when to use it, and really what's it all about. Thanks for listening as you join me, Gregor Finlay, and my colleague, Sarah Turner, two executive coaches for an honest conversation. And in today's episode, we ask the question, coaching skills for leaders. Uh, really, it's just an exploration of that topic. So, Sarah, coaching skills for leaders. Why should leaders consider using or, or, or bringing into their, their toolkits, if you like, coaching as a skill? And I guess we should probably be a little bit open here, Gregor, about the fact that we do have coaching question cards and also a coaching culture offering. So, of course, very interested in talking to people about this, but really this is about how do, how, what is the value of leaders incorporating coaching skills as part of their leadership style, leadership approach? And this is part of us doing this podcast is we just want there to be more coaching conversations happening in organizations. So I'm more than happy if someone adopts more of a coaching approach or promotes investment in coaching uh, through someone else, you know, just as long as more of that is, is happening. Yeah. And I think there's something else just on language front, wanted to differentiate between skill and intent. And then we, I found that we were using different words. We were using intent and I looked up the thesaurus and it said that's aim and purpose. Mm-hmm. And I looked up attitude, which is another word we were using, which was a way of thinking. Mm. And then mindset, another word. And then mindset was another word. And I looked up the thesaurus and there's no entries for mindset yet, which is really interesting. So I thought we might use mindset as a combination of intent and attitude together. Yes. Um, just so when people when, when people hear us talking about mindset, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about people's intent and their attitude together. Yeah. And so that's really about how do I bring a, a coaching approach or a coaching mindset to my work, to my role as a leader? Yes. And I think what people will will hear through this podcast is it's not enough just to do the skills. Mm. Where it becomes really powerful is when you get the, the mindset. Absolutely. But just looking looking at skills, uh, I came across an article that just came in my inbox. Well, actually, it was a very old article in my inbox. I hadn't got to reading yet, which was from McKinsey & Co. And it's an article about defining the skills citizens will need in the future world of work. And we'll put a link in the show notes. And they're outlining 56 key skills. Really, the research and the kinds of jobs that will be lost as well as the, those that will be created as uh, automation, AI, and robotics take hold. Mm-hmm. From that, they've inferred 56 high-level skills that will really be needed if people are going to get you know, a higher likelihood of employment, higher incomes, higher job satisfaction. And I was amazed when I think about a coaching leadership style, how many of those skills were immediately apparent. And right off the bat, there was 10 of them that came out straight away. The first one was coaching. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the first one was coaching. And then empowering, empathy, inspiring trust, fostering inclusiveness, motivating different personalities, resolving conflicts, win-win negotiations, humility, role modelling, all things we would say are part of a coaching leadership style. And what I notice as I look at that list as well is you know, there is increasing and increasing focus and rightly so by organizations on inclusion 
and how do we how do we hear hear from people how do we enable people to speak up um and share their thoughts their views their experiences from their different experiences and backgrounds and so much of of being an inclusive leader is about having curiosity having humility you know inspiring trust so there's a real connection here i think between yeah. you know and, we, and i often talk about you know inclusive leadership really it's just about being a good leader and actually that's what all of these skills are talking about coaching is just part of that it's like, as you know, just reinforcing what we've already said it's that kind of coaching mindset or that coaching approach yeah and i think if you want to be an inclusive leader it's about inquiring as to the value of and being open to the value of another way of, of being other than your own absolutely it's that curiosity another thing so that's like i think positioning the importance of skills yeah but i thought it might also be useful for people to mention it in other podcasts i think but the model of logical levels of learning mm-hmm. and it basically states that if you perceive a challenge at one level which is skills and competencies we need people to do more coaching skills mm-hmm. you will generally solve that problem at the next higher level or, or even higher Mm. And the level above skills and competencies and values and beliefs. Mm. So that's why skills are one thing. But if you really want a massive shift, we really need to be impacting at the values and beliefs level. Mm. Yeah, which is really about who I am as a person. What what do I appreciate about a coaching approach? What's the value it's going to bring over and above my normal approach? Yeah, and the level above values and beliefs is identity. So, mm. yeah, they're they're all they're all connected, mm. and I think you feel it important. We just differentiate between mentoring and coaching at this point. Yeah, and I think this often comes up. Um, you know, when I'm speaking to to clients about coaching, particularly if they're new to coaching, as a sort of general definition, mentoring. If I'm if I'm going to mentor you, typically it's because I've got knowledge, skills, and experience that are going to be valuable to you, and I'm going to impart my knowledge and my wisdom. So I may well say to you, Gregor, if I was in your shoes, I'd try this, or why don't you do this, that, or the other. So I'm very much being the expert and giving my advice, and that's typically what leaders are often accustomed to doing as a leader as a particularly as a people leader it's my job to provide guidance to provide direction to provide feedback to make recommendation um, and that's very much a natural familiar place for me to be and so when we're thinking about coaching it's actually quite a different way of being because suddenly I need to think about not being the expert seeing you as the expert in you and really believing that you have the ability to make decisions, make choices, resolve issues yourself with my support. And so it's very much about the way I think about it is dialing down your expertise and dialing up your curiosity. So that's one of the ways in which I think it's useful for for leaders to think about bringing a coaching approach to their style is being quite intentional about when they need to be the expert because there are plenty of times when they're going to need to be but also when is there going to be value for them to step back dial down the expertise and put the other person in the driving seat so to speak yeah you had a lovely acronym here that i'd never heard of before the wait the wait why am i talking yeah (laughs) 
So yes, I mean, this is just a, a really, a really, really simple way for any leader who just wants to take more of a coaching approach is just to listen more. So a great acronym that you can just scribble down at the top of your notebook or, you know, wherever you, whatever you use when you're in meetings is wait, why am I talking? And just really create that space for the other person to talk and for you to listen. And that's just, even if you do that, that in itself can be hugely powerful. Yeah, I think that's a lovely, lovely tip. So to go to this thing about if you you could do skills only, and there are lots of people out there who will be offering just, just the skills piece. I was amazed by this story. I don't think I've told it on this podcast. So right in the early days of my uh, coaching career, I was asked to do some coaching skills for managers training for this organization. And I was your typical early coach. I was quite fundamentalist, would be too strong. But, you know, I was you know hugely enthused by the whole thing. Essentially, I put a course together, which was about asking these managers to, to be coaches. And one of them, I clearly didn't land with them, but they came back and told me that they had sat down in a one-to-one with their employee with the grow model questions in front of them on a piece of paper and simply gone through the questions with them. Mm. And I thought, you've not quite got this, have you? (laughs) However, what they reported back was it was the best one-to-one they'd ever had and the best meeting they'd ever had with that employee. Mm. So they got the performance increase. You know, they had a really good meeting. I'm not sure if that employee now believed that their manager cared more about them and had greater trust. So they got some benefit from just using the coaching questions. Mm. But I'm not sure what else they got out of it. But I just thought it was an interesting story to tell in terms of, you know, coaching skills can give some benefit just on their own. And and that it can be really simple. You know, it can be as simple as either talking less, listening more, or just asking a couple of really great questions. Because I think anyone who experiences really good coaching afterwards, you just it's the kind of stuff that makes you keep thinking afterwards and your brain keeps going and you keep processing stuff. Because that's what the value of coaching is. It unlocks a different kind of learning and I think as a leader just ask a couple of great questions and listen more I mean even that is a step in the right direction yeah I I, um, I probably have told this story but I had a, a CEO of a, a major pharmaceuticals company saying I just don't have the time to sit down with somebody for 40 minutes to have yeah. a coaching session and it was no that's not the point the point of it is not an instead of it's not give up everything you do already mm. and become a coach it's about integrating some of this stuff as well as. Mm. And that can just be one or two coaching type questions integrated into your current way of being. So rather than just immediately giving an answer, you say, well, what do you think you should do here? Yeah. And I think, you know, I guess it'll be different for everyone, but for some direct reports, having that kind of a question from their line manager in and of itself is probably quite refreshing and quite different. Yeah, and I, I think it comes down to, you know, we you talked about identity earlier. I often have this thing about what's your job? Mm. You know, is the job to just get the job done or is it to develop the team to get the job done? Mm. 
if my identity is a problem solver, I'm going to keep on solving problems. But if my identity mm. is a developer of people, then suddenly I'm going to find it easier to suddenly integrate some of these coaching style questions into my everyday leadership. Mm. And there's something here also about creating space. So coming back to my acronym of why am I talking, there's there's a great exercise. And I did this on a workshop not that long ago, actually, where I was doing a coaching skills workshop. And I got asked everybody to do a time to think exercise. So time to think is a, a methodology developed by a lady called Nancy Klein. And again, we can put um, some details into the show notes, but there's an exercise that you can do. And so I just had people in pairs and they had, I don't know, something like five minutes and it really was just about creating space for the other person to talk through an issue or a question or a topic, something that they wanted to to work through. And their thinking partner really only had a couple of questions that they would they would offer, which is along the lines of, you know, so what else do you do you think, feel or want to say? And it's really about just creating the space for the other person to talk and to be listened to really deeply and really intently. So the thinking partner does not respond. They don't, they don't kind of start giving solutions or asking questions other than what more do you think, feel, or want to say. And it's just such an amazing exercise because every time I do it, afterwards, when you ask the participants what they found or how they felt, they go, oh, it was just so amazing just to be listened to and not be interrupted. You know, the power of being listened to intently and not being interrupted is huge. So again, just creating a space for people to really be listened to and to really be able to talk, hugely powerful. Yeah, it's a massive gift. Mm. And I think this is why am I talking? Who's going to benefit out of this? Mm. I think, did, did you use the tennis ball exercise in that course? I didn't use tennis ball exercise, but I think that's a good one to talk about. So I think we may have talked about it before, but it's the idea that I would stand in the middle of a group of of leaders who want to adopt coaching as, as part of their repertoire. And I describe a problem that I have. And then I ask them to, in turn, I throw them the tennis ball. Mm-hmm. When they get the tennis ball, they ask me a question. I don't answer the question. I merely give them a score out of 10 as to the value of that question to me. Mm-hmm. It's one of those instances you want to have things on video because some of their faces are classic Mm -hmm. because they think they've given you a really good question. Most often it's a really good question because the intent is to problem solve for them, Mm. to get more information for them. It's a suggestion to disguise as a question. Mm -hmm. So when when they get a score back, it might be quite low. I mean, I've given scores as low as two their face is shocked because mm. they thought it was a really good question, but it was a really low value to me. Mm. And that's the lesson. The lesson is I'm here to help this other person. I'm not here to help me. Mm. Yeah. And I think often, again, it's very easy, isn't it? When you're early days of coaching to sort of almost think you've got the answers to the question or you're asking leading questions. And it's not about that. It's about helping that person to develop their thinking further in a way that's useful and meaningful to them. One of the exercises I did, which is just such a powerful exercise, it just shows shows the value of asking some insightful questions, is I think you called it the, the blind coaching question exercise. I mean, I, yeah. kind of, I kind of called it like a group coaching in a way, but essentially you just ask the participants to get a piece of paper and a, and a pen 
and you ask them to think of something that they want to move forward. So a question or a topic or an issue. And then you ask them to write that down. So they're doing this completely on their own. So they write down what their topic or their issue is they want to move forward. And then you just follow up with a series of questions. So it might be something like, well, give it a single sentence description. What is it that you want to achieve? What would be the first step you need to take? And so on and so forth. And they just write down the answers to these questions. And then right at the end, you you ask them a question along the lines of, you know, on a scale of one to 10, how committed are you to taking the action that you've said you're going to take? And the number of people who sort of look up with look up at you with a big smile on their face going, yeah, nine out of 10 or 10 out of 10 or eight out of 10. And again, that's just purely them working on their own, thinking for themselves, aided only by a question. Yeah, so it's, it's fantastic. It's that whether or not people then leave the course and then remember the value of the questions. <laughs> yes. So I, I, I probably have used this this example before I, I i just love this example for a coaching car so i'm talking to an ex-client and they a lot of their identity around us they're an expert in their industry they're great at coming up with answers they're great mm-hmm. at problem solving so that's where a lot of their identity lies mm-hmm. he knew that he had a, a meeting coming up with one of the directors and he knew that they were on the warpath about something and he did not have an answer. And it was because he didn't have an answer, he saw the coaching cards and he went, ah, I bet you there'll be some good questions in there I could use. Mm-hmm. And he knows the value of coaching. So he went through and he found three cards and he thought, these are fantastic questions I can ask and base this meeting around. And he had the most fantastic meeting. But the point I want to make there is a coaching approach wasn't at the forefront of his mind. No because his identity is still really that of being the problem solver, the expert that people come to for advice. Mm. If he'd really had much more of identity around being a a coaching leader or inclusive leader, maybe, he would have been thinking about that for any of the meetings. Mm. But he was prompted to use the questions because he didn't have the answer. I Mm. just thought it's a lovely example of, how important your attitude and, and your identity is in terms of making sure anything you do as an organization is sustainable. You can give the questions, but if people aren't going to use the questions, you've wasted your money. And I, what that's making me think about as well is one of the things that I've noticed, I think particularly now we're kind of in this hybrid working environment, is um, you know pre-COVID days when I would maybe travel into London and I'd be in a client's office and they would kind of run from one meeting to come into their coaching session, have the coaching session, then rush off to the next meeting. And so they're they're in that kind of problem-solving, logical thinking, task-focused sort of mindset, which is what they need for their job. But actually, you know, whilst they're rushing from their previous meeting, there I am in the room getting myself ready, getting myself prepared, centering, taking some deep breaths, you know, making sure that I'm really focused on this client and what they need in order to to have the right kind of coaching presence for that coaching session. And it just makes me think of leaders who are wanting to bring more of a coaching approach to their work, to their job, that actually a big part of this is about setting that intention that when I'm going to sit down with someone for a one-to-one, I'm actually just going to give myself a couple of minutes beforehand, even if I'm just going to take two or three really deep breaths to center myself and ground myself 
and have that kind of conscious decision that I'm going to dial down the expertise, dial up the curiosity. And even just doing a, a practice like that, I think will bring about a different quality of conversation. Yeah. So like saying, I'm going into my one-to-one. If I go into my one-to-one and I know my boss is still thinking about mm. the previous thing, how important is this one-to-one to, to my manager? Mm. Um, so that's one thing that's such an important thing to, to reset. It's probably one of the most important things we probably teach as coaches when we are either teaching coaches to be coaches or helping leaders to adopt more of a coaching style Mm. is just to get them to reset. Yeah. Reset emotionally, reset physically. So you go into a meeting, you want to help them, but you're still full of adrenaline or cortisol from the last meeting. Uh, You were frustrated at XYZ manager about something. You're still holding on to that. Mm. How are you supposed to have a really good interaction with your uh, with your report if that's still happening for you? Absolutely, because you're distracted. You know, your mind is elsewhere, as you say, still thinking about the conversation you've just had or that frustration you've just you've just had. And there's so much that we do as coaches around being absolutely present here and now, focusing on the client, focusing on what they're, what they're bringing to coaching. And of course, our minds will wonder, um, but it's the, it's the skill is bringing it back and making sure that we're absolutely focused on the individual. So I just think there's something, again, a really hopefully quick and easy accessible thing for leaders to practice doing is just a couple of minutes to reset, take some deep breaths, be grounded. It's probably the thing I slip into mentoring, teaching most with my coaching engagements. Because mm-hmm. I identify again and again, the leaders I work with are taking stuff forward from their last interaction into their new interaction. Mm. And they don't reset themselves physically. So they're, they, as I said, they've got adrenaline and cortisol and make negative physical things going on for them they're not right mentally and therefore they're not right emotionally uh, cognitively Mm. and there's just this wonderful equation in coaching performance equals potential minus interference Mm. they've gone into these interactions with loads of interference and they just need to get rid of it and often coaching is just doing that Mm. getting rid of the interference and so I've sort of given up on the, well, if I'm being a good coach, I shouldn't be teaching them anything. It's just become a pattern I've found that this is something I end up teaching nearly all of my coaches. And I mean, I I think it depends on how you define it. But I mean, more often than not, when I've got a client who's coming into a session, you know, running a bit late or straight from a meeting, is I'll just invite them to take a minute. Let's just sit here together. Let's take a few deep breaths. Let's tune into our surroundings. Let's connect our feet with the floor and really feel grounded. Let's lean back into our chairs and create some space. And, you know, it can just be a few questions like that, an invitation to take a couple of deep breaths and just come into the room. And even that, and there are a number of clients who then open their eyes and sort of smile and go, oh, that's better. You know, the, che- the check-in is a wonderful process. I first mm. saw it actually at Tesco's. Tesco's, they start meetings with a check-in. So, and, and loads of organizations now do this. Mm. Before you get down to any other business, you check in. You share what's going on for you. you. So it gives you the time to reset. Then you can have a valuable, a valuable meeting. Building on that, you know, your somatic 
awareness. So if you are coming from a meeting which has been quite challenging or you're feeling stressed because you've got 101 things in your to-do list, your system is going to be highly fired up. You talked about this with cortisol. And actually it, the power of just recognizing that and giving giving that time and attention and focus, you know, and actually recognizing it and saying, okay, I'm going to just, for the purposes of this conversation, try and put that to one side and take some deep breaths and calm my system so that I'm in the best possible place for this conversation. What I notice is we, we can both get quite emotional about this because we really believe in it. And, and, mm. and I realized we could talk about this forever. Um, Maybe it's a whole podcast. I'm looking at the time. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking at the time. I think we should get to our top tips. And when we're thinking about top tips, there are actually two sets of top tips here. There's a top tips for, for individual leaders. Mm-hmm. I think there's also top tips for an organization. So why don't you do the tips for a leader and I'll do the tips for an organization? Okay. So I think really what we're, what we're, what we're talking about here is there can be some small steps that you can do as a leader just to introduce more of a coaching mindset or more of a coaching approach to how you are as a leader. So first one is, as we've just been talking about, really create a break or a reset between your interactions, just so you can have that right presence, whether that's how you sit, whether that's how you stand, whether that's taking a couple of deep breaths, um, just being quite intentional about the presence you want to have. The second one I would say is you've got two ears and one mouth. So remember that. How can I intentionally listen more and talk less? And then the last one, we didn't really give this story, but the idea here is it's very easy to take responsibility when you're used to being the problem solver, being the expert, being the mentor, being the person to give guidance and advice. As a coach, if you bring a coaching approach, don't hold on to that tennis ball of responsibility. Hand it over to the other person. Be curious and ask them questions. Help them think out loud and solve their own problems rather than giving them the answers yourself. I would say it, does, it doesn't have to be obvious there um, in terms of, you know, I've talked to, to clients about, you can just say, look, I'd really like to give you an answer, but I've got to get on this call, come back to me in two hours, but mm. think about what the answers might be. You know, it doesn't have to be direct. You can use all sorts of techniques to get the responsibility to, to go back to that individual and get them to think a bit longer. Um, so I'm sure people will come up with different ways of, of not help holding on to the tennis ball. I think if you're going to, if you're from an organisational perspective, if you're going to do a coaching skills for leaders program, ensure it's just as much about mindset as it is about skills. It's not someone just replicating a coaching skills course in a, for a manager population. That doesn't quite work. Uh, it's not sustainable. Think also role modeling from the top if you want culture change. So make sure that your top people have had coaching, they see the value of it, and then they can role model that from the top. And finally, I'd say make sure people are working on real live challenges so they see the benefits in their everyday work uh, straight away. So an example would be doing the an exercise of rounds at a leadership meeting. Uh, it's a simple coaching approach, and that means everybody has to speak. Yeah. And suddenly when people do rounds, they go, oh, my God, we've never had a conversation like that before. Yeah. 
And so they make real progress. So I think those those would be our tips. And that's another Nancy Klein approach, isn't it? So we can put that. That'll be in the in the show notes. Absolutely. Great. Well, I mean, I think my conclusion is absolutely as a leader, I would want to be having or bringing some coaching skills into my repertoire. And it does, I hope people will feel that it is quite accessible, that there can just be a couple of, you know, shifts or a couple of tweaks in terms of how you might approach a one-to-one or a conversation that means you're bringing that coaching approach into your day-to-day. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a wholesale I'm going to stop doing what I'm doing and do this other thing instead. It's, yeah. It can be a, a, a slow migration. Yeah, it's your as well as, as you said, not instead of. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Great. Well, I've really enjoyed talking about that with you, Gregor. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to our show. We really do appreciate your feedback. And if you've got any questions about using or implementing coaching in organizations or even suggestions of topics you'd like us to cover, please do email us on info at thecoachingquestion.com. And as always, we make a request to give us a rating on iTunes or whichever is your preferred podcasting or video platform because it really helps us to spread the word. Look out for our next episode and we look forward to speaking with you then.